Can I do a podcast that's quick and without notes? We are gonna fucking find out, boys and girls. Doubt that there's many females that listen to me. Uh, I'm not entertaining nor attractive. So there really isn't a whole lot of incentive. But if there are any females listening, what up? How you doing, Steph? That's probably it. Ah, Steph wouldn't even listen to me either. This is Soups on Firings today, I guess. A little abbreviated version of the podcast that I thought I'd lay down while I got uh, a little bit of time here. Uh, I'm Tyler Campbell. Uh, Yeah, Todd McClellan is out. I've been asking for it since... Probably the middle of last year is when I kind of started to really, and I'm sure there were others, but you know, it just, I just kind of started to feel around the middle of last season that while Peter Shirelli was putting out, like, just had done a horrendous job, and I'm going to get to that actually uh, in a bit here, but while, you know, management will say had done a horrendous job at really pissing away the Oilers assets and depleting the talent up front while not really doing anything to help the back end uh I still felt and everybody felt going into last season that the Oilers were a playoff team and here they were with Connor McDavid and the 31st ranked power play. And, you know, for most of last season, the 31st ranked penalty kill. Like that, you need to go. You you can't keep your job. You know, Jim Matheson talking about continuity just last night on Twitter. So if they hired a chimp, should they keep the chimp? Because, well, you know, continuity, you need continuity. You can't just have continuity for continuity's sake. You can't fire a guy just for the sake of firing someone. If that's the case, and you would all agree with that, then you can't keep a guy just for the sake of, well, continuity. You know, but let's be honest, Matheson was more worried about a good guy getting fired. And let's make no mistake here, and I've said this a few times, Todd McClellan seems like an awesome human being. This is not anything of an indictment and never has been on Todd McClellan, the person. This is an indictment on Todd McClellan, the coach. I don't like the way he coaches, but maybe more importantly, I don't like the fit he had become for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, is Ken Hitchcock the fit? And the answer is, drumroll please. Oh yeah, I can't afford special effects like that. Uh, The answer is, I don't know. I think... I I think I like the setup being that it's till the end of the season and then we reevaluate. A new coach should give them a jolt. Hitch should make them much 
much stronger structurally. Yeah, you know, I, I do think that's gonna. Hey, Lowry and and Jr. Boys, this is a bad time to text me. Of course, when you listen to this, you'll be like, "What the fuck?" We texted him like two hours ago, right? But right now, I'm recording. And I can't get back to you, and I feel like a jackass if I can't get back to somebody. Um, yeah, I I don't like Hitch's system isn't too dissimilar from McClellan's, but and, and I don't know that Hitch is a guy that's going to make a team feel loose. Like one of the one of the real key things that the Oilers need in a head coach, in my opinion, is someone who can keep that dressing room really loose. Because you know we've seen how woundly tight uh, some of these teams get, and you know that's one of the reasons I really didn't like McClellan as a fit for this team. Is it's become clear over the years that Todd McClellan can't keep his teams loose. It when the pressure's on, his teams seem to get much tighter. You know when the chips are down, McClellan's teams have this. Ability and I, you know, because it's not Todd McClellan's in McClellan's DNA to fold. I I don't believe that that's what those teams did, but they would tighten up instead of getting looser, instead of embracing the in the pressure. They would they would tighten up. It just it's just so there's so much of a track record there now to suggest that was the case, and. Yeah, so so we'll see. I, I you know, Hitch. You know, this is like I, I like Hitch. You know, as as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate what he brings to the table more. The job he did in St. Louis was awesome, and the one thing I'll say is that the Oilers have a team very similarly built to the one he took over in St. Louis, very similarly. Can Oscar Clefbaum be his Alex Petrangelo? You would say no, and I would say no as of today. But as of, was it November 2011? Somewhere in there, because it was right after the Blues got shit-kicked by the Oilers. It was right after that that they made that change. And at that point, I don't think that anybody thought Alex Petrangelo was going to be better than what Oscar Clefbaum is now. And I, you know what? I don't know people that have watched Alex Petrangelo since Hitch has left. I would guess that they would say he's not any better than Clefbaum has been. So, you know, that's... And I, I, you know, I got no notes. I'm, I'm, I'm scattered with my podcasts, even when I have notes. So this is going to be really bad when I'm just kind of going off the cuff, looking at one of Steph's uh, Christmas decorations that says "Happy Holidays" uh, with the TV off. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, our, oh yeah. If you're wondering, oh yeah, our house has been full on Christmas since November 10th. She didn't even give the vets their day. She just she just went full out with the two trees and and I mean I'm a little complicit. I had to get all the stuff out and I had to and I decorated the tree downstairs. It's really it's a sports tree. It's it's deadly. 
Oh yeah, it's deadly. And for thirty bucks at Walmart last year, got it half off. Oh, it's oh, it's killer. I'll maybe tweet out or IG or Tumblr a picture of it later. You should check out my Tumblr, by the way. I'm all over that shit. I don't even know what the fuck it is. Anyway, um, okay. So Hitch, I talk about cleft bomb. I could see a lot of guys benefiting from this. You know, I, I I loved it last year for Dallas with Tyler Sagan. Like, I kept thinking, like, okay, as a one-off, like, they're going to get, like, it was the perfect fit to me to go from Lindy Ruff, who really wasn't known for his structure as a coach, to Hitch, who's like, that's, ultimately, that is what Hitch does best. And in fairness, that Dallas Stars team made the playoffs had Ben Bishop not got hurt. So here's what you're going to see improve with the Oilers. Almost almost guarantee. You're going to get the max out of the blue line. You're going to get the max out of the goaltending. I think Leon Dreisaitl, it depends where Hitch uses him. If Hitch keeps him on with McDavid... I personally don't see that. I think Hitch, you look at Hitch's track record, man. You look at two guys in particular, David Backus, who was a winger when Hitch arrived and moved him to center. And you look at Radic Faxa, who people were saying at the end of last season should have been up for the Selkie. Watch that with Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl has that written all over him. If he can get Dreisaitl to be his Bacchus, I I was going to say Faxa. I don't know what Faxa's numbers are like, to be very honest. But I, I would watch for Dreisaitl to be the guy who takes the biggest step. And probably is going to now be worth that 8.5 mil. I know that contract makes us all sick. He shouldn't have gotten north of 7 mil. But that's the guy I'd watch. I'd watch for, I you know, I mentioned Clefbaum. I'd watch for Darnell Nurse to get a lot better. That's those, that's what Hitch can do is those, those guys who have that, have that really strong two-way ability, he can get the most out of those guys. So I, I would really watch for Dreisaitl to end up being a guy who takes on a lot lot tougher minutes in the second-line center role. Will Nuge go back to the line with McDavid? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Because Hitch will love Nuge. He will really love Nuge. But then you're stuck with, okay, well, who do I put with Connor? Uh, tough to say. You know, I, I I think that we'll now see a coach that's more willing to experiment and more willing to give guys chances. I think we'll see that. You know, one thing that Shirelli hit on with his press conference was, uh, or media availability, I guess it was, uh, is that you know he talked with Hitch extensively about 
the deployment of Pulleyarvi and Yamamoto. Yamo, I'm not sure fitting in with Hitch, but Pulleyarvi, I could really see, you know, being another guy who thrives playing for Hitch. Because I mean, the way Hitch wants you to play is, you know, and I'm kind of thinking about this off the cuff, but one of the things that I mentioned after Saturday's game was that the Oilers need to be a team that bullies teams, and that's what Hitchcock teams do. They bully you physically. You think back to those Dallas Stars teams, they would bully teams physically. The St. Louis Blues teams, they would bully teams physically. You know, you could say the Philly teams that he had too. Yeah, but, I mean, that's kind of always been Philly's thing. You know, and what was Hitch there from 03? I mean, obviously the 05 lockout was in between, but he, he was there for three seasons and then got fired early in the in the fourth. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. You... You're probably going to get a big jolt from the initial just change. And guys will have to, they might, they won't like Hitch. Players never do, but they'll respect him. And Hitch is the type of guy who, while he wears on teams after four or five years, initially, it's going to be really good. It's going to be a really good change even if Hitch's system really isn't too much different from Todd McClellan. I mean, it's it's a roster that's built for Ken Hitchcock hockey. It really is. It's Because we've talked about it. It's, it's not, I mean, everybody's beat it to death. It's not the most talented roster depth-wise. But it's the type of roster that will buy into a coach's system. I mean, we've seen it with McClellan. You know, and it, they got done in Detroit. They were 8-4-1. They were buying into what McClellan, after three and a quarter seasons, was telling them. They'll buy into Hitch. They'll buy in. And it's just, it's just a matter of to what level can he get this team. I, I personally... Um, I think they now make the playoffs. It's a combination of they'll get the jolt from Hitch, and it's a team that's talented enough to make the playoffs. But the big thing is that they're in the Pacific. This is the third best team in the Pacific. At least, if not the second. I mean, as as much of a piss-off as the last 72 hours has been to watch, when you see the blown lead in Calgary, the uh, disgrace against Vegas, and then you see Calgary absolutely blitz Vegas. Is that what happened last night, by the way? I actually... I got to be honest, I had some shit going on. I didn't even really get to check, but I thought I saw that Calgary blew him out. And as I check now, yeah, 7-2. That's what I thought I saw, but it, yeah, I really was distracted. Oh, 5 nothing after 1. Ooh, Malcolm Subban, that's a rough night. Um, Yeah, shit, man. Like, the Flames just ultimate confidence coming off that game. That's the Oilers doing. I'm not pissing on anything Calgary does. I've said all along, well, I can't stand how the national media just gives Calgary a pass on everything and just 
overrates them, they're still good. They're still capable of being, you know, and as I've seen the Pacific, you know, unfold this season, it's like, oh, yeah, no, Calgary's a playoff team. It's just that Edmonton likely is, too. Now that they've done this change, it's not even that I'm that high on Hitch. It's that, and I don't really like, I, I if this was a long-term fit, I'd say this is a disaster. But, you know, short-term, I just think the jolt they'll get, they'll... uh you know, they'll be ridden a little harder, which you can do short term as a coach. Yeah, again, that's why Hitch has a shelf life, is because the way he's such a taskmaster, it's not gonna work long term. But he it'll work till April. Hopefully till June. But let's be realistic. If he gets it to work till early May, that's a win. That's a pretty big win for this organization. Uh yeah, I mean <laughs> I I I'm not overly giddy about it, but I am pumped that they did they not only did the right thing in making the change, but they did the right thing in that okay, we can't just blindly hire another coach. Let's make sure we do this in a way that's you know we're keeping an eye on our future here, and we're we're gonna go, we're gonna do short term, but we're gonna leave the door wide ass open for long term. So I like that they did it that way. Um, yeah, my piece that I wrote well last night, but that I put out this morning, uh, that got dated pretty quick. I think it was out at 8 Yeah, well, I put it out at 8 a.m. I think it was done by 9.30. Was that when the change was made? Mountain time? So now it did. Well, yeah, it wasn't even 9.30. So it wasn't not even an hour and a half, and that was dated. And I think the opening paragraph, I said, Todd McClellan will be behind the bench tonight in San Jose. That was wrong. I was wrong. I apologize that your eardrums are now broken, but I had to do that buzzer. But I, I, I stand by what I said in that piece. You know, I, I'm not anti-Shirelli keeping his job at all. I'm not. Anybody who's saying, yeah, but Shirelli needs to go, right. People were on that bandwagon going into last season. You do realize that, don't you? Like, oh, but Shirelli, you know, one media personality in particular, just going, who just seems like the worst to deal with on Twitter, which is why I don't follow him, but, you know, you get stuff liked and retweeted and it shows up. Uh, going after anyone who is saying anything, um, not even defending Shirelli, but just, like, saying, well, yeah, but... Like it, 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 they still need a coaching change. You know, like, I'm not here to defend Shirelli, but they needed a, this is a team that's good enough, and you're going to see it. You know, as long as they stay healthy, it's a roster that's good enough to make the playoffs. Their penalty kill is 27th. You don't think that's going to change under Hitch? Their power play, while it's looked better of late, was still terrible. Because while they're moving the puck around better, 
still the way they're set up doesn't allow for a lot of passing lanes. So they had better puck possession, but they still weren't getting real great chances. That's going to change under Hitch. It will. You watch. Their D-zone coverage, while I've been outspoken in saying that, you know, they're you basically can't defend anymore. And I mean, it's not that you can't defend, but it's getting very difficult to defend. But the best that they'll be able to defend will be under Ken Hitchcock. He will get the most out of them defensively. Miko Koskinen, if it wasn't his time to shine before, it is now. Because you're now getting the guy who made Steve Mason look like an elite goaltender. You're now getting the guy who made Brian Elliott look like an elite goaltender. You're now getting the guy who, you know, every goaltender he's had, Robert Esch, looked like a guy capable of winning a Stanley Cup for the Philadelphia Flyers with Ken Hitchcock running the show. You know, people forget. Actually, Belfour might be a bad example, but I just, I was going to say, people forget that when Belfour went to San Jose in 1997, his stock had fallen dramatically. And then he goes to Dallas in 98 until the end of the 02 season. Uh, 02, he fell off, but so did Hitch. But Belfour was one of the best in the league. Now, Belfour, in fairness, went to Toronto and stood on his head too, so I'm not sure if that one overly qualifies, but point being that goaltenders rarely underachieve playing for Ken Hitchcock. It is very rare. Like One of the big things I thought last season was, oh, Dallas, Dallas will be much better because they couldn't get a stop in 2017. And not only did they bring in Bishop, but they brought in Hitch. And, of course, you know that, that was working very well until Bishop got hurt late in the season. And then the wheels kind of fell off. Yeah, I, I, so Koskinen's going to thrive. Obviously, the big one, we'll see with Talbot. Um, that's the big question mark. And I, you know, while I'm doing this, I might as well hit on this. I started to wonder last night. Do you bring up Al Montoya and just healthy scratch Talbot? I know you don't like to run with three goaltenders, but and I didn't see the game. I didn't. I and after seeing the result, I didn't even watch the highlights on for Sunday night. Didn't even watch the highlights. You know, I'm starting to sound. I missed. I missed the Colorado game and I missed the Vegas game. So I've missed two of the last four games. Both have been train wrecks. Uh, By the way, my rec team has a game on Sunday night again, so you might not want to watch the L.A. game Uh, because that seems to be the way it's trending. Yeah. Um, Fuck. What was I even going to say now? I I just wonder if, you know, Montoya is a capable backup. You know, last year, the concussion, we've seen concussions kind of ruin guys' seasons. I wonder if the concussion just ruined Montoya's season. He's been playing a lot in Bakersfield. I just wonder if, or more anyway, I just wonder if, 
you call him up and maybe he's he's the right guy. Oh, I forgot the cat's outside. This is going to make for good podcasting. I left the cat outside. Now the cat's desperate to get in because it's so cold. Come on. There you go. Yeah, she's happy now. George, how do you like being on your first podcast? Yeah, you don't give a fuck. So, I just, I wonder, I wonder if that's the move. Because Cam Talbot, to me, can't stop a beach ball right now. And it's the big thing is, it for me, my opinion, it's 100% mental. Because he can't make a stop on the penalty kill. That's, that's what the big issue with him is. It goes to the, you know, last year we thought, well, it's it's the home penalty kill. Was it the home penalty kill or was it the home goaltender? It, 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 it's just, I don't know what's happened to the guy where mentally his game has just completely fallen off. Now, you might say, uh, Soups, didn't you just say that Hitchcock is, you know, basically the goaltender whisperer and his system always makes goaltenders look like a million bucks? Yep, yep. That's And that's very possible that that's what... Cam Talbot needs some games where he just sees an easy workload, I guess, to put it night. Like, the, every stop he's making really isn't much of a scoring chance. He needs some of those nights to just get get a little bit more comfortable. So it's possible that this change will help him more than anyone else on the team. But having said that, right now his confidence is completely shot, and I just wonder if maybe you bring up Montoya and say to Cam, look, you're going to be a healthy scratch here for two to two to four weeks, and you need to work. You just need to work on your game, man. We're not quitting on you, but you need to just just work on shit and not worry about playing. And then in the meantime, you know, for back to back purposes, you have Montoya. It doesn't work if Koskinen goes to shit. And I mean, as high as we all are getting on Miko Koskinen right now, the jury's still out. Teams haven't seen him twice. You know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen when there's a bigger book on Koskinen? That's the one question left. You know, but playing in a Hitchcock system, man, they'll get the most out of this goaltending. The goaltending will be the max that it can be. Now, play this back in February or March, as I'm likely to do. Who knows? Maybe maybe none of this helps and like the organization's in a bigger mess than it is today, which we didn't think was going to be the case in April 2015, yet here we are. You know, and I, I would love to see the Edmonton media start growing a set and going after the true culprit in all this, which is Daryl Cates. And I'd love to see people say, hey, you know what? Who's the jackass who apparently doesn't have the balls, doesn't have the guts to fire people and instead just hires all his buddies to call all the shots? Who's that guy? Oh, that's Daryl Cates. Like, 
if you want real change in this organization, go tell Bob Nicholson, hey, Bob, go for a round of golf, fire up the grill, make everybody a couple of fucking Bobby Nicks burgers, and then fuck right off. Because you are absolute dog shit at your job, just like your fucking buddy Kevin is, who you claimed had no more say on the hockey operations side, yet here we are two, three years later, and we're hearing about red wine summits with Kevin and Wayne and Bobby Nix. Like, fuck off. Fuck off, you inept fucking just, oh, God. I better not go any further. I'll say some words I really will regret. But pieces of shit at their jobs. Absolute pieces of shit. The ego, it is mind (laughs) blowing. Like, and that's what it is. It is an ego trip. They don't, it's not that they don't care. It's not that they don't care. It's that they put them winning over the organization winning. They put their way over the best way. And they're, they're PR studs. You know, you'll never get the media bashing Bob Nicholson. You know, it's Kevin Lowe had never been bashed by the media until Mark Spector asked him why he still had a job in, I think it was 2013 when they fired Tambellini. And that's when the infamous six rings comment came out. I mean, that right there. <laughs> you talk about You talk about seeing a guy's true colors. You can tell Kevin Lowe had never been questioned before that moment. And then that's what came out of his mouth is, I think I know a thing about winning. Yeah, no you don't. Because you've got zero rings and almost the exact same amount of playoff appearances as an executive in the front office. 2001, which wasn't your team, 2003, 2006, and 2017. So essentially, well, let's just be fair to the whole thing. We'll say three. Three playoff appearances since Kevin Lowe stepped in from behind the bench to a front office role with the Edmonton Oilers. Not a fucking coincidence. And the fact that that man still has a major voice when they told us, they told everyone that he was not going to have a say anymore, it is fucking horseshit. And that's why in the last basically couple days, I've started to dig a little deeper and say, has this really been Peter Shirelli? Like, you know, for those who didn't read my blog this morning, Peter Shirelli, Taylor Hall said that he had good talks with Peter Shirelli. And 
there was a lot of smoke to the fire that, or there was a lot of smoke around the organization having a thing against Taylor Hall before Peter Shirelli got there. You know, I I would hear stories, and I mean secondhand, but I would hear stories of guys meeting, we'll just say scouts, and everybody who would talk to a scout or talk to a, a someone who had intel on the organization would say the same thing, would have all these stories about Taylor Hall and what a piece of shit he is. Huh. Yet Peter Shirelli's the one who's on the hook for trading Taylor Hall. And I know, like, you can say, you know, you can counter that by saying, yeah, well, even if that's the case, even if they wanted Taylor Hall out, he still got the return on Larson, or of just Larson that he did. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm, I've never said that Peter Shirelli should keep his job. <laughs> but, you know, it just, it just makes you wonder, and it speaks, you know, like the Griffin Reinhardt trade. As soon as that trade, and that was the first trade under Peter Shirelli. And it was not Peter Shirelli's move. You'll never convince me. And I said that right from the get-go. It was not Peter Shirelli's move. It was the old boys club move. They, they overpaid for an oil king. Who didn't fit. Yeah, they needed a defenseman, sure. He didn't fit in the slightest. They needed a right-handed, puck-moving, established defenseman. And they pay a premium for a guy who's a stay-at-home left-shot defenseman who hadn't even played in the league. I think he played eight games to that point. He was not established. Just mind-blowing. You know, the Luch contract... I know it's easy to point at Shirelli and say, yeah, no, he had him in Boston. He was horny to get his boy. That, Bob Stoffer's come out and said, this organization, top to bottom, badly wanted to build this, like, just killer of a team because they were getting pushed around meanwhile they completely missed the boat on the fact that while they were undersized and getting pushed around they weren't fast they weren't fast and they weren't overly skilled the problem with the oilers the well the the three biggest problems with those teams from about 2010 2011 to 2015 the three biggest problems were they were undersized they were soft, but they were slow. And I mean, of course, the blue line. The blue lines never stopped being a problem. You could say the goaltending too. I mean, there was, you know, they were they were near the bottom of the league that entire time. So I think there's more than three problems. Fair enough. But like you look, you know, you look at it in hindsight, they would have been at least a playoff threat. I'm thinking, had they been, had they been fast. Had they been able to beat teams in any way, like they didn't, they literally had no way to beat teams. They couldn't out muscle them, and they couldn't out skate them. Like it, it oy, 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 oy. like that's the biggest. That was the biggest miss by the organization, and this is not hindsight by me. 
I had even forgot that I wrote this piece until last season, but I went back and I kind of read through my stuff and, you know, cringe at how shitty it is as the years go on, but it, uh, oh, some of it's good. Some of the takes are good, just the writing itself. Uh, 2016 at the end of the season. I don't know if it's the end of the Oilers season or the end of the NH, like after Pittsburgh won the cup, but I said something about how the Oilers better not, you know, they better realize that the league's getting super fast and they need to keep all their speed, and then they trade Taylor Hall. <sighs> okay. And the Matt Barzell thing, I mean. <sighs> People say, wow, they weren't going to pick Barzell. Yeah, that's that doesn't look make the organization look better, just so you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but they were going to pick Eric Sinek. Yeah, yeah, you're not helping the situation. So you're not only saying they were stupid enough to trade the pick, but they were also so stupid that had they kept the pick, they weren't going to pick the right guy. I had Barzell fifth going into that draft. And I'm not a scout. I compile information. I look at what anybody reputable has to say. And I dig on prospects. And I and if you've read my stuff on prospects, you know how high I am on... I, I'm a little bit of a sizist, as I call myself, but... A little bit of a sizist, but more so, especially in the last two or three years, speed, and even more so than speed, playmaking ability. Matt Barzell was lightning fast and an elite playmaker. I had him fifth. The order that I had, and it's, <laughs> if you think I'm bullshitting you on Barzell, then why would I give you my exact order? <laughs> I had McDavid one, I had Eichel two, I had Hannafin three. That's the big regret. And I mean, I guess I wouldn't have had him any lower than four anyway, but leading up to the draft, I really liked Provorov. Today, I would have had the balls to put Provorov three, but I didn't at the time, admittedly. But then the big one was that I had Barzell at five, and that was higher than anybody else had Matt Barzell. And I worried at the time that I was just being biased towards a WHL kid, but I just, I, I've been a guy who I don't, you know, it kind of depends on the injury a guy has if it costs him a season. But I tend to lean towards, no, no, the injury won't be long term. You know, yeah, you might, might set him back a year of development, but who the fuck cares if you're still going to get 12 to 15 years out of a guy at an elite level? You know, so I that's that's maybe more so why I was so high on Barzell. And plus, by that point, you know, it was clear that like a guy like Morgan Riley had the same thing happen to him. And at that point, it was like, look at how he's turning out. That didn't that didn't hurt him. You know, at the time, Alex Galchenyuk was starting to look like an emerging superstar. Well, star. I reserve superstar for the elite of the elite, but. It looked like in 2015, Alex Galchenyuk was going to be a star for the Habs. And it was the same thing with him. Galchenyuk only played like four games that season for Sarnia. Had the knee injuries. So I probably looked at Barzell from that point too, but yeah, he was my guy and, and they passed on him. 
and they traded away the pick and the 33rd pick, which probably would have they would have taken Brandon Carlo. There was a lot of good guys there. I know I know I can honestly say if I had the 16th and 33rd picks in that draft and it fell the way it did, Barzell and Carlo would be Edmonton Oilers right now. I guess, you know, it depends on what team I was GM for. But I I would have taken without a doubt, go back and read my shit. I would have taken Barzell and I would have taken Carlo. And they took Griffin Reinhardt. I wouldn't have done the Taylor Hall trade. And I mean, to be very honest, I, I probably at the time, well, I mean, I probably, knowing me, would have chickened out and just done the Jason Demers signing. But that in hindsight, that's, you know, I've seen some guys pissing on Demers. You know, my buddy Donnie, you know, Dirtbag Donnie was on Twitter, and I think I've seen him kind of scoff at that. Like, I, Donnie, I got I to disagree with you, bud. Like, I, I honestly believe that, you know, Jason Demers, I know it PR-wise, I know that would have looked like more of the same. I, I'm pretty sure that was Donnie as well, pointing out Nikitin and Ference and guys like that. But Demers was actually a top-four defenseman. The other guys that they had brought in to that point were four-fives. You know, they were, let's hope that they're fours, but really they're fives. Demers was very, and has been, a very legitimate top-four defenseman. I'm not saying that would have been the cure. Oh, I just about dropped my phone. I'm not saying that would have been the cure all, but I am saying that it would have been the smarter move. And by that point, if you had Barzell and you had Carlo and you had Taylor Hall still and you have Nuge and you have Eberle, and only go down the list of the talent, you would have been able to throw a big package at somebody for their star defenseman. Who that guy would have been, I don't know. I really don't know. But it, it definitely would have had them in a much better spot. And the frustrating thing is a lot of people saw it that same way. I'm not the biggest low tide fan, to be very honest. You know, I think super nice guy. I just mean it from a, uh, the way we see things. I'm not the, you know, I don't agree with a, a lot of what, not a lot, but I don't agree with some of his views on things. But full credit to Alan Mitchell going into the 2016 offseason. Al said, just sign Demers. Just keep everybody else and just sign Demers. And he had some other smaller moves that he thought they could do. But basically for the defense, just signed Jason Demers. And I remember at the time I thought, you can't just sign Jason Demers. But... I wasn't going to drastically overpay for defensemen either. I thought they'd be able to get a guy like Tyson Berry or a Jonas Brodeen or someone like that, maybe a Matt Dumba, who would be solid and they'd have to overpay a bit for, but not grossly overpay. Nope. Al was totally right. They should have just signed Demers. They'd be in... They'd be a team... Oh, they'd be the Leafs. They would be the Leafs. Anyway. Didn't mean to take a trip down memory lane there, but I did. So, I am going to... Oh, what what was this tweet just now? 
It's Glenn Gulletson who is leading the way at practice. New coach, Edmonton Oilers coach, expected to arrive soon. I can't believe that McClellan got on the plane yesterday. Like that that was the that was actually the biggest reason I wrote that blog this morning or last night I guess but put it out this morning. That was a big reason. That was the big inspiration for that blog. Was Bob Stoffer tweeted you know something out about the Oilers and then said wheels up. And to me, wheels up was very much so code for McClellan. McClellan stays. Like, <laughs> and that's where it was just like, holy shit, man. So they keep leaving this guy dangling, which even if he isn't the, you know, he's not a good fit for this team. But even then, okay, he's not a good fit for this team, but you don't like, you know, dangle the guillotine over the guy's head the whole fucking time as they were doing as an organization with their red wine summits. Let's have some more info leak out, by the way, boys. That's the, what a, that's the sign of a great organization is when shit like that leaks out. Fuck. I got to put the phone up. <laughs> Fucking rights, boys. Fuck, right. Have another one. Fuck. Open up another bottle of Gretzky. Red wine. Whatever the fuck it is that you're drinking. You fucking pieces of shit. Like, fuck, have some more ego. No doubt. You boys, you, Kevin, you know how to fix it, eh, bud? You know what's going on. Yeah, you got you got your fucking finger on the pulse of this league. No doubt. Fuck. Just disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. Anyway, I, fuck. I, I keep going on about it all day. I meant to keep this one short. For me, I guess it is short. It's only 46 minutes. How did I go 46 minutes? I basically wanted to jump on and say, yeah, I like the I like the move, even though it's not a long-term fix. I'm Tyler Campbell. Hope you enjoyed it. And here we are at 46.07. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Guess we'll see what happens in San Jose. Not sure if I'll get to do one tonight with the late start. Uh, probably knowing me, I'll try and end up doing one tomorrow. I still haven't done a Soups on Hockey one. And this is really, this whole fucking Soups empire is turning into Soups on Oilers. Empire. Do you like that? Empire? Fuck, Soups on Empires. That sounds like a good podcast. <sighs> yeah, let's hope it gets better. Let's hope it's the right move. I think short term it is, long term, bigger, bigger, bigger changes desperately need to be made or else 97 is going to go, hey, Daryl, um, get me the fuck out of here. If he doesn't do it, Kate's doesn't make those changes, man. I'm telling you, it's I am very nervous that that day could be coming. Uh, This has been Soups on Oilers. Welcome to the shit show, Ken Hitchcock. Welcome to the shit show.